Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. This is the story of the first Christmas. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Mary, and she had, and she found an angel, and the angel said, you're going to have a baby born, and his name is going to be Jesus. So her mind was blown away, and then she told Joseph, and his mind was blown away. And then they found, and then they had to go to Bethlehem, and they were hospital, but the hospital had no room. So they had to go to a barn, and they had to be, he had to be born in a major. Then some shepherds were nearby. There was, there was, an, there was another angel, and that angel said, a savior is going to be born, and you and you can find and you find him in a major. So they found him in the major. So, some wide men were. Some wise men were to the east, and and they went and they followed a star. They made it to the major. They gave him gifts, and they were so happy that Jesus was born. And that's the story of the first Christmas. Merry Christmas, prodigal. Great job, son. Dad is super proud of you. Also, I'm a super proud uncle. Um, Macy, Haley, and Tanner, who led us in worship uh, this Christmas Eve, are also my nieces and nephews. So, a uh, big shout out to them at Higher Vision Church in Southern California. Uh, Merry Christmas, Prodigal. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us online. Um, here at my house, we call a fart a pooter. Now, we have young kids and it just sounds maybe a little bit nicer than the word fart. Some families say pass gas, others say toot, some say bottom burp, or even one cheek squeak. I don't know what you call it at your house, but it's a pooter at our house. And when I am around other adults, I try not to refer to it as pooter. Uh, it, I try not to. Last Christmas, um, some buddies from high school were in town and we were together hanging out in, in a buddy's backyard. and. Uh, we had a great time talking and catching up, and, and eventually uh, someone lets one go, okay? It starts to smell real bad. And so I immediately, surrounded by 40-year-old men, say, did someone pooter? Okay, someone must have pootered because somebody needs to go poo-poos. Okay, I got made fun of a ton the rest of the night. But having Dex seven years ago changed everything for me, right? It changed my life. It changed my schedule, it changed my priorities, and it changed my vocabulary. Now, a fart is a pooter, okay? A baby changed everything. And the same is true for the first Christmas. The baby changed everything. You see, the shepherds in the field were just doing their thing, the thing that they had always been doing. And then an angel appears to them and they are terrified. And Dex did such a great job telling the story, but we'll pick it up from the gospel itself. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The sudden and quick change in the shepherds is amazing, right? You have a group of people who are huddled out in the field, um, and they're completely terrified by the appearance of an angel, which I'm sure we would be as well. And then they hear this news and they run towards the, where the baby's going to be. And as soon as they near the baby, everything changes. Why? What really changed for these people? How did they go from terrifying to glorifying in one night? How did they go from running away to running to and making sure that everybody else knew about it. Because for them, it, it, nothing really changed, right? Like their world didn't look dramatically different as it had earlier that day. They weren't all of a sudden freed from the Roman Empire. All of their circumstances didn't change. In fact, their circumstances looked exactly the same. They went back to the same job, to the same sheep, back to the same problems. The next morning they woke up and guess what? They had the same thing that they had before. Nothing had really changed for them. Their circumstances still looked just as difficult as before. But now they're no longer terrifying, they're glorifying. What changed? I think Luke tells us at the end. He says, they saw something. They heard something. He tells us they experienced something more. More specifically, he says that they experienced someone for the first time. They experienced someone and they realized that they were greater than anything else around them. And I think that's what happened on that first Christmas. I think what's so powerful about Christmas is that for the first time, as they stood there looking at this child, for the first time, something happened for them that was greater than what was happening to them. Something was happening for them greater than what was happening to them. And the angel says, right, a savior has been born unto you. And as they experienced this baby that would grow up and be greater than anything they've ever experienced, they praised. Hope began to creep back into their hearts. Hope that maybe things could be okay. Things could work out for them. What was supernatural became personal to these shepherds and it becomes personal to us as well, right? The angel declares, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. It doesn't say that, that it's been born to the world, though that's true. It says a savior has been born to you. Something was happening for them that was greater than what was happening to them. The same is so true for us. God showing up unto you for you is greater than anything you're going through right now. Some of us need to hear that this Christmas Eve, that God acting for you is greater than what is happening to you. Whatever circumstances are happening to you, whether it be financial stress, relational stress, worry, anxiety, health issues, what God has done for you is greater than what is happening to you. That's God's word for you this Christmas Eve. And all of us are going through something right now, right? This Christmas, it's just, it's going to be a lot different, right? This is not the Christmas we had planned for. For some of you, you've lost your job. 
For some of you, you've lost someone. Some of you, you've lost your faith. We've all lost something this year, but what God has done for you is greater than what is happening to you. And this is not just true for the shepherds that first Christmas. It's not just true for you and me. It's also true for Joseph and Mary because they were going through some dark days as well, right? It's easy for us to look back at that silent night 2,000 years ago and think that everything was just perfect, right? Because when we watch the cartoons and when we read the stories in our children's books, Mary and Joseph look like they're at perfect peace, right? The hay is soft for the baby Jesus. It's not coarse at all. The weather is a cozy 60 degrees on that Bethlehem evening. The shepherds are there encouraging them. Wise men there supporting them silently. Animals kind of hop in during the song, Silent Night. No. Childbirth is a lot of things, but silent and peaceful are not them, right? My wife, Sarah, had two children. Okay, We have experienced childhood two times. Uh, when my wife gave birth to Dex, it was, you know, it was just so peaceful. Um, you know, I just held her hand quietly as we sang together in harmony, uh, the first Noel, um, just in between each contraction. And as she began to push, uh, I brought some animals into the room uh, to kind of, they were helpful during the chorus, right? And she held my hand in such a soft and tender way. It wasn't a violent grab on my hand. And she just spoke softly to me about words of love and joy and how I did this to her. No, no, birthing is loud, right? Nothing about it is peaceful. If shepherds and magi came into the room where my wife was, she's like, who are these shepherds? I don't want any shepherds. The only shepherd I want here is Dr. Shepherd from Grace Anatomy. So unless there's a handsome brain surgeon behind that door, get everybody else out of here. See, we often project that Mary and Joseph had no stresses, no worries, but there was a great tax by Caesar, right? So they were under financial stress. There was no place to sleep, no hospital, no Motel 6, no Airbnb. There was no hand sanitizer or Lysol okay, to disinfect the manger or the shepherds come by, you give them a little squirt, didn't happen. Uh, at the very beginning of this pandemic in March, we as a church staff were just trying to figure things out, right? Like we wanted to be as careful as possible. And at the time we only had one video camera to record our services. And so we as a staff would share this camera and the staff would record part of the service and then I would go to their house, pick up the camera and I would record kind of another part of the service and on and on it went. And well, back in the spring, we didn't really know much about the virus, right? And stuff was new. And so there was new information all the time. Like, could it spread on services? Does it spread on services? We think it does. And so there was this panic for hand sanitizer and, and Lysol wipes, right? And uh, uh, when I drove to Corey's house, Corey, our connections director, I, to, to pick it up, she had left it on um, her front porch. Okay, I had a mask on, I had, I had gloves on. Um, I had Lysol and uh, Clorox wipes. Okay, I looked like Rambo, but Mr. Clean, okay? And so I, I get the camera from Corey's porch and I just start just going crazy, fumigating this camera to make sure that there's no virus or any hint of any germ whatsoever on it. And it's not a big deal, right? Because nobody sees me. Um, Corey's not going to know that I kind of had to disinfect everything from her house. Um, unless of course, Corey and her husband, Jake have a ring, um, doorbell, which then would record everything that I'm doing. Um, 
And they did. And then they proceeded to send it to my wife, um, the video of me just going to town, spraying everything um, for multiple minutes. Um, and not only that, she sent it to our entire staff as well. Thanks a lot, Corey. Um, I asked Corey about this recently as we were laughing about it. She said, that made me feel so dirty. <laughs> okay. Like, like that you felt that I had some kind of virus or that we had some kind of virus. And I'm like, Corey, it wasn't about you. It was about the thing. Yeah, anyways. You see, Mary, she didn't disinfect the feeding trough before she laid the baby down. There was no Lysol. After pushing the animals away, she didn't hand sanitize. No, there's something profound and beautiful in this story. When God shows up, he chose to identify with the lowest and the most humble. Right? When you were a kid and you left the door wide open, your mom would say, hey, were you born in a barn? To that, Jesus would say, yeah, I was. Jesus was born in the first century equivalent to a parking garage or a shelter or a barn. Uh, Jesus's life, even his birth, pointed to a life of servanthood and humility. Uh, some of us feel like, man, this 2020, I can't wait to turn the page. Feels like it's been one thing after another. We all feel that. You ever heard the phrase, when it rains, it pours? How many of you guys feel like it's been pouring for the entire year? One thing after another. Lord, when will you answer? When will you bring peace? When will you bring health? When will you answer these prayers that I've been praying for months and months? When hope is running thin, we cry out as the psalmist does in Psalm 142. As I sink in despair, my spirit ebbing away, you know how I'm feeling. Know the danger I'm in, the traps hidden in my path. Look right, look left, there's not a soul who cares what happens. I'm up against it with no exit, bereft, left alone. I cry out, God, call out, you're my last chance, my only hope for life. And it is in these times where the message of Christmas shines brightest because on an unexpected night, in an unexpected place, with unexpected shepherds, in an unexpected Jewish couple, hope shows up on the scene in the form of the baby Jesus. They had been oppressed for over 700 years and they've been waiting and praying for this Messiah for 700 years and hope shows up in an unexpected place, in an unexpected way at an unexpected time. You think you've been waiting a while for your deliverance? The people of Israel waited 700 years. You know the phrase, good things come to those who wait. I believe that. And I hold on to that in hope in this season. Waiting is an art that our impatient age has forgotten, right? We wanna break open the ripe fruit when it's hardly finished planting. We don't want to wait, but that's not how the universe works, right? It's the best things in life that come through waiting. Marriage, first you got to wait for the right one. That takes years. Then the engagement, you got to wait that time. Then when you have kids, nine months, 10 months, I think is what it is. Often many years later when you're desiring kids. For the greatest, most profound, tenderest things in the world, we must wait. The people of God did. Some of us are waiting now. But it is impossible to overestimate 
what God did through Jesus 2,000 years ago, showing up on Christmas Day. It is impossible to overestimate that. Scottish farmer didn't believe the Christmas story, thought the idea of God becoming a man was absurd. His wife, however, was a devout Christian, and they had raised their children as Christians. And the farmer would mock her and give her a hard time about her faith. And in particular, he couldn't believe that a baby, that God could show up in the form of a baby, right? Born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He says it's nonsense. Why should God lower himself to become like us? And one Sunday just before Christmas, his wife took the kids to church, and the farmer relaxed in front of the blazing fire. And suddenly the weather took a turn for the worse and to a blinding snowstorm uh, driven by a freezing north wind and suddenly he heard a thump on the window. And he went to investigate and there was a flock of gray geese disoriented uh, by the storm in his farmyard. And so the farmer had compassion on them. He wanted to help them and he wanted to give them shelter from the storm. So he opened up the huge barn doors and told them to go, pointed the way, showed that it was safe, but no one would go in. He laid a trail of bread from outside into the barn to lead them to safety, but they still wouldn't go in. He tried to shoo them. He grabbed a branch off the ground and tried to move them in. And utterly frustrated, he says, why can't you fools just follow me? Can't you see that I'm trying to help you? I'm trying to give you shelter. He thought, man, I wish I could communicate with them. If I could only become like them, one of them, I could show them the way and I could save them. And suddenly he stopped. He remembered where his family was and what he had learned in Sunday school. And at last, he understood why God had to become a man. And he fell down to his knees and thanked God for becoming a man in Jesus. And he looked up to his amazement and the geese began to fly into the barn. All of the scriptures in the Bible point to this moment where God says, I've tried to speak to you through prophets I've tried to speak to you through visions and dreams. I've tried to speak to you through the law. And finally, it, he realizes, oh, I've got to show you what I'm like. He shows us what he's like in Jesus, in flesh and blood. The Christmas story shouts at us that God's primary posture towards humanity is not anger, is not wrath, but love. That's the Christmas story. God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you. So he shows up on the scene to redeem us, to free us from our own selfish decisions and to lead us into a life of love, the abundant life, the eternal life. God's primary posture towards humanity has always been love and Christmas proves it. What was true for the shepherds is true for you. That because of Christmas, something has happened for you and it's greater than what is happening to you. Let's sing together the great hymn, O Holy Night.